and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about party games. As we enter the holiday season, it's often time to pull out those games that can accommodate a large crowd. But which ones do we choose? Can we make it through this whole episode without Chris mentioning the game in the dreaded black box? We'll find out. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends at the show. Emil, Emil, Jill, Jim. Emil, welcome back. Um, he's not really back, but we're going <laughs> to thank you anyway. Adam Harrison and the SGC. Wow. And thanks to all our other pat- patrons as well. Um, yeah. So we don't, <laughs> we don't typically talk about pre-show woes, but it took us a half hour to get this show up and recording. And, yeah, um, it did. Yeah. Chris and decided of, that he wanted to switch from Discord to FaceTime. Well, because you guys, whenever Discord decides to do its freezy thing, you send me screenshots of me in frozen mode. I like that you say whenever Discord decides to do its freezy thing, like it's not something that only happens to you. I'm blaming Discord. So we're going to try FaceTime. And, Seems fair. And see. So unfortunately, we found out a few things. One, emojis don't work on FaceTime on the computer. So that's very Boo. disappointing. Yeah, that's sad. Um, two, somehow we all exist twice on FaceTime. <laughs> so that's always always fun. And yeah, and we're all sober, even though this is take two of the intro. We couldn't even start the intro. <laughs> <laughs> It's not as bad as the time I read I'm Chris. Yeah. I mean, this is <laughs> Happy Holidays everyone. Yay. <laughs> and because we always we never really hide when we record things. This is actually be recording the day after the last episode was recorded. Um because Fletcher's going to some place a long way away for a couple of weeks. So we're trying to get the episode early out there. Going to Prague. Oh, Prague sounds fun. Wait, are you going to be in I mean, I assumed cuz that's where Carmen is. Yes. Oh, right. Are you going to be there? Are you over there over the holidays or are you back before the holidays? Um, so I'm in Prague for five days and then I'm in Dublin for five days. So I'll actually spend Christmas in Dublin. That sounds cool. I, sounds like a Hallmark movie. Yeah. Christmas in Dublin. Do, 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what Christmas in Dublin sm- <laughs> sounds like. Does it? I mean, the Christmas songs are relatively universal, right? I have no idea. All right. If you're in Dublin and you're native to Dublin, we need to know what the best Christmas songs are. Or anywhere in Europe, for that matter. We just want to know what European Christmas songs, are they different than American Christmas songs? I want to hear about some Australian Christmas songs. They're all like beach songs. Yeah. It's like the little St. Nick. Is that the Beach Boys one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they go out to the Barbie and they, roast they reindeer. When I was there, they said like, "Oh yeah, we all like have barbecues like by the beach and poolside. Like that's Christmas to them." I would, I wouldn't mind that Christmas. Although, I guess when you grow up with snowmen, because we grew up in the Midwest. Well, Kitty and I did. Um, Fletch grew up in Texas, I guess. But um, <laughs> yes. unless he's been lying about it this whole time. <laughs> But when you so grow, you think. <laughs> so you think. But when you grow up with like snowmen and and pine trees and like, well, I mean, they get those things. They just get them in July, right? But in July, we're doing like fireworks and stuff, and that's what we think of as summer is you know explosions. Yeah, but in the, the Fourth of July isn't like an internationally celebrated holiday. The way <laughs> totally understand it that. It should just, be <laughs> when you think different seasons. You think about the holidays of those seasons, right? And I don't know. Like Valentine's Day is always cold. 
but you know you get to snuggle with your significant other and i'm 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 hopped up on cold medicine and and cinnamon tea uh don't mind me so we're gonna talk about party games now (laughs) yes we are um kitty i liked your intro i think that that i I did (laughs) um and we are not going to mention the game that will not be mentioned (laughs) i'm I didn't say anything about me and Fletcher mentioning it. It's if you can get through this episode without mentioning it. Not doing it. But I am going to ask, Fletcher, what yes. is a party game? What makes a game a party game? To a you? game, I would say a party game is a game where more than two people can play at once. Mm. And there is a decent amount of social interaction. And it's usually like a... A lighter game, I would say. It's not, it's not a heavy game and they tend to be quicker and people can like jump in and out without much of a problem. Okay. Do you have any amendments or additions to that definition? Um, I would go more with like, it's a game that plays more than six people that, um, so like more than six people and you don't take one player turn at a time. There's simultaneous play of some sort. I would also add that I would say party game, I would say, would typically get better or is more fun with more people. Mm. Okay. I like all of these. Uh, mine was basically six or more, easy to teach, and lots of social interaction. Like, to me, yep. that that feels like a party game. Um I don't know. There's a lot of two plus games. The mind is actually listed on Board Game Geek as a party game. I don't believe that to be a party game because it sort of caps out at four. And while it's interesting to watch, I don't think that a four player game that everyone else is just watching is really a good party game. But I do think it falls into your, um, like a lot of the other definitions of a party game of that it's easy to teach, easy to learn. Simple rules, really straightforward. Yep. And you can play it. It plays quick. And lots of social interaction. Yep. And they tend to play quicker. So when you're done, you want to play again. Like, and pretty much you always want to immediately, let's do that again. Let's do that again. Ooh, here's my real definition for a party game. The score doesn't matter and nobody's keeping it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually a pretty Whose good. Line is it anyway? Yep. Yep. That's a pretty good addition to the party game. Thing. Um, party games can be teams, so it can be like this side of the room versus that side. Um, boys versus girls is a very common team. Uh, parents versus kids, depending on the age of the kids, is an is another common team. So, and there's a lot of party games get a lot of flack from us hobbyist gamers, myself included. I'm not a huge fan of party games in general. At least I don't think I am until I play them, and then I'm like. Oh, darn it. I actually kind of like that. I hate when that happens. So I will say these really, a lot of them border the definition of a game versus an activity. Sure. And I think we did an entire episode on this, right? Just so we could argue about something for an hour. (laughs) But yeah. We're really good at that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really, it comes down to if you're keeping score or not. But they're, they're, they're just fun. Like... Party games are meant to be fun for everyone involved. And therefore, yes, sometimes they borderline on an activity, but activities can be, it's still, it all comes down to play. Like we were talking about last week, right? It's still play and play is fun. And whether you're playing a game or playing an activity doesn't really matter when it comes to party games. You're still 
having fun as a group. So, Kitty, no, Fletcher. Fletcher, what is your favorite yes. party game? Well, um, I'm going to say that my favorite party game... Man, this is actually a tough question, because it de- kind of depends on my mood. It, it It's either going to be like Werewolf, like one of the flavors of Werewolf, because it's kind of quick to teach and everything, or uh, Sushi Go Party. All right. Um, fun thing, if you don't listen to the Ludology podcast, and I'm pretty sure that neither of you do, but just for listeners as well, Ludology did just do a history of Werewolf slash Mafia, which I thought was pretty interesting. So... It was Mafia was a game developed to uh, it was like in a sociology class in college or something like that, where, you know, he's like the kids weren't getting involved in the discussion. So they created this game and and it's a Russian created it in Russia. And then all of a sudden it just became like a worldwide phenomenon rethemed and all that stuff. Um, So what are what do you like about Werewolf as far as? Or Mafia. like I find that if I tell people, hey, do you want to play Werewolf? They'd be like, huh? I was like, have you ever played Mafia? Oh, yeah, I love that game. All right, fine. We're going to play Mafia. Only you're a werewolf instead. Um, <laughs> what is it about that game that you can get a group of people to, to play? And do you it, find that you play more than one game? Or is it just like a one and done when you end up playing it? It's usually more of like a one and done. Sometimes... To, it depends. If it's like One Night Ultimate Werewolf where the games are pretty quick, um, then you can play more rounds. But if it's like full-blown Mafia or Werewolf, then it's usually kind of like a one-and-done. Because a game could could last like 40 minutes. Yeah. Well, I've um, played games at upwards of two to three hours, depending on how many people and how seriously people take it. Right. If you're playing it in a party Which setting... Which is why I hate this game. Yeah. I would say if you're playing it in a party setting... You want to do the shorter things, even though, yes, it gives the werewolves or mob members an advantage. Playing that game fast in a party setting is more fun for everyone involved. Um, You have to be careful that there aren't a few people that are like diehard werewolf players, though. Everyone needs to be on the same level. Right. Um, But I like it because it's, 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 it's very simple to teach. People can catch on really quickly um, on how you play this game. Um, And, I think that's the only question you asked me. All right. Yeah, that's why I like it. Kitty, <laughs> I know the answer to this, but what is your favorite party game? Oh, now I want to change it. Yeah, it's Telestrations. <laughs> She's already typing as I... Um, I love Telestrations. It's a really fun game. It leads to hilarity every time and love it. So, actually, we should probably talk about how these games play just um, because they're party games. We can describe them in a few sentences. Werewolf... There, most of the group is going to be just normal villagers. There will be usually about two werewolves and one seer during the daytime. Everyone's going to lynch someone because there must be a werewolf. After someone is removed from the game, there's player elimination in this game, everyone will close their eyes, the werewolves will wake up, and they will point to someone that's going to get eaten in the night. This continues back and forth until either all the werewolves have been lynched or there's more werewolves than there are villagers. Telestration plays how... Telestration is a written version of the game Telephone. So everyone is given a word. You either, usually you start by drawing a picture of your word. Then you pass your book to the next person and they are going to make a guess. Then you flip the page and the person will only see the guess and they have to draw that and so on and so forth until everyone's drawing somebody playing a saxophone while eating cheese. 
<laughs> so, but you're and you're passing these books, right? So you, yeah. So it's word. Then you draw the picture of the word. Then you pass, and the people don't see the word; they just see your picture. Then you write the word of the picture you just got, and then you pass, and then you draw, and it keeps going like that. Um, usually until you get yours back, or a yeah, certain number of rounds. Yeah, usually your own comes back. Yeah, um, and then you go through one at a time, saying it started with this, and then here's the picture, and then it went to this, and then here's the picture, which is amazing. It's really fun. Um, I have so many games that I listed that because when I started thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I like all of these games. But I am going to steal for my first one Insider. Because oh, Insider's I thought awesome. About <laughs> so Insider is 20 questions with a hidden helper. Yes. It is a it's not a hidden trader, it's a hidden helper. And what you're what the helper it's you're playing 20 questions. So you're asking one person, is it this or this? And it's yes or no questions. Yes, no, maybe, I think, right? Or sometime mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but the insider knows the answer. And once the word is guessed, you are trying to figure out who the insider was. And if the insider can go, you know, slide under the radar without being undetected, undetected they win. If not, then everyone else who guessed the word wins. And it's as simple as that, and it is amazing. You don't actually need a game to the, for this. You just need words, phrases. You can come up with whatever you want, and you just go from there. All right, Fletcher, tell us about Sushi Party Go. Or Sushi Go Party? Sushi something? Sushi something about party. Sushi. Sushi Go Party. Yeah. Um, This is, what? how would you consider this? Like a pass and play kind of a game? Not pass and play. Uh, drafting. drafting. Drafting game. Um, It's... Again, it's it's kind of like um, the only way I, I can describe it is like mahjong because that's the game I've played a lot more of, but that, that doesn't spoons. help many people. But it's like it, it's matching. It's I don't know how you guys missed the cultural phenomenon of spoons, but it's spoons. It's a set collection game. Yeah, it's set collection. It um, is a drafting then, set collection game. Yes, yes. you just described yeah. spoons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, whatever um, it is, it's cute. I'm going to have to teach you guys spoons next time we get together. It's very cute. It's very fun. It's very fast. And different um, different sets are different, amount, different amounts of, amount of points. Um, some where it's like for every additional card you get of a set, you get, into, like, you get like one more point. But some, it's more like gambling. Like if you get two, but somebody else gets like four, then you get like minus two points and they get like six points. So you kind of need to like play the table and see what other people are doing. Um, and all this, it's, it's fun and fast. All the scoring is on the card, right? Like it'll tell you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. the rules that would be confusing are right there in front of you. So you can be like, oh, I need a lot of these, but I need an even number of those, or I need the most of that. And based on that, you can decide what you want to draft at the time. Yeah. I would say the most confusing part is knowing how many of which kinds of cards there are, but you pick it up after one or two rounds real easy. Yeah. Um, I like to play a pudding heavy strategy. It's all about the pudding. It always is. All right. Kitty, what is your next favorite party game? Well, you took Insider. <laughs> so I'm going to go Catchphrase. Which I feel like we talked about fairly recently. Well, it was on my list as well, and I was going to choose that one almost well, first. Well, your list is like so 18 So now I'm going to make you describe, so, how does catchphrase play? I didn't even look at it, because I knew that you would bias me. 
<laughs> so catchphrase is a game where you're playing with two teams and you have a word that you are trying to get your teammates to guess and whoever's team gets the most words wins and you're allowed to say anything except the word itself and no rhyming and no rhyming and this is isn't that kind of like taboo <sighs> it's just like taboo except nobody's keeping you honest with a buzzer so you've you, no, you know. that's not true. Oh, I it's, love the buzzer. It's like hot potato and taboo because the people, the part, so you te- yeah. sit every other as teammates. So the other team is looking over your shoulder to keep you honest. And I guess, yeah, you're passing it around the circle. For some reason, I was not thinking of it that way. But yeah, you pass it around and whoever's holding it when it goes off, their team loses the point. Right. So you're trying to get your word as quick as you can so you can send it to the next person. And then the other team goes and you're trying to basically go back and forth, back and forth. And it's just it is a ton of fun. It's it's hot potato with words. It's a digital game. Um, it started out as a card game, but the digital version is yeah, so much more fun. we actually have an analog version in my youth group that still has like the disc card that you put into the thing with the clicker. It's very funny. They think it's hilarious. Yeah. Now, catchphrase is amazing. There are zillions of different versions of it and and you can just you can bring it anywhere, pull it out and it's a self-contained digital party game. And it's really fun because with words like, you know, there's, so there's a lot of proper nouns that you'll come across, but you can also usually get somebody to guess them, even if you have no idea who it is. So my sister was like, I don't know who this person is, but they have the same first name as that camel and their last name's Estate. <laughs> camel State. Is this like Joe? It's like a, it's like a big mountainy state. Joe Montana. Joe Montana. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's catchphrase. Yeah. And it's really fun. I have never not had fun playing this game. And even like being on the other team, because you're sitting next to the guesser, you are still like all on, like making sure they're not using the words in their clues. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's involved all the time. And I, I, I love it. Yeah. All right. What's I, your next one? I'm you're gonna, up, Chris. I'm going to go with one that I don't think a lot of people would think of as a party game, but I really, really like it. And that is Railroad Inc., which is actually a roll and write. Um, I have the red and blue copies, so it plays up to, I want to say eight or 12. And this is a, you roll four dice. They're in the center of the table and everyone's going to use those dice to create a railroad map. And you're trying to connect the most points from point A to point B. It's a pretty thinky game, but it plays really well in a medium sized group. It's not going to play up to probably. I think eight's probably a good cap on this one. You got to be able to sit around the kitchen table. Um, but at the end, you have completely different maps for everybody. And you can kind of like show off, this is what I did, and this is what mine looks like. And, oh, I was only one die away from being able to complete this road. And, um, yeah, I, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit harder to teach because of the special dice. It can be a little harder to teach. But once you've played it once, you're like, oh, I want to try that again. Because it does play so fast, and you're like, I was just, I was so close to completing my strategy. I want to go again and see if I can make it work this time. That's Railroad Inc. by Simon Fletcher. You have another party game. Well, so I was actually going to say Taboo <laughs> as, <laughs> as mine because I actually really like Taboo, and they play Taboo and Catchphrase play slightly differently. So how does Thank Taboo you. play? 
um taboo you it's two teams and like one team go like one team goes and then the other team goes and the whole idea is with taboo um you have to get people to guess you have to get your team to guess the word and then there's words underneath it that you can't say as well so you if if the word so was like ketchup, you can't say like mustard. Mustard would be underneath. You can't say mustard. Yeah, um, something like igloo. You can't say snow, cold, frozen. Right. Yeah. So, so there's or more like to Eskimo keep, or something. Yeah, there's more to think about when you're giving your clues. Like catchphrase, here's the here's the word. You can't say the word or things that rhyme with the word. Taboo is right. here's the word, and you can't say these four related things. Ten associated words usually. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's only ten, eight. But I've se- I've seen like six. Yeah. Um, so and also no it's a rhyming, lot of words obviously. yeah um and then there's a person with a buzzer and that person has a great job um because the buzzing noise it makes is terrible <laughs> oh it's awful it's such a obnoxious sound and if you say any one of those words or you say the actual word you just you just go to the next card and i think you have a like a minute or two minutes or something like that and it's basically how many points can you get within that time frame it's like one of those old flippy timers. <laughs> yeah, it's like a sand timer. <laughs> yep. I hate games with sand timers because once you get if you're if the game is good, you're too into the game to pay attention to the sand timer. Yeah. And but that's easy enough phone. to fix now. Yeah. Yeah. Now that everyone has the stopwatch on their phone, basically, or timer with seconds. Yep. Right. Thanks, Apple. Thank for you. Fixing that. <laughs> but yeah, taboo. Great game. Really fun. Love that one. All right, Kitty, you go again. Okay. So Taboo reminded me of another game, and I don't remember its name. And I'm hoping that one of you will remember this. And it's the one where you're given a category, and you're trying to get people to guess as many words in the category. Is it called Scategories? I guess so. I've never actually played Scategories. So. I I feel like this is it. I'm going to have to Google Scategories right real quick. Um... But yeah, so... Well, how do you play the game? Because yeah, you played it. No, it's not Scategories. What is this game? I don't know. Ah! Oh my gosh, it's a really fun game. This is, now you have everybody wanting to play it, though. <laughs> it's a really fun game, though. I used to play it at the park with kids all the time, and it was really funny because we had an older edition of the game, and so we had to like really pick and choose which cards we chose <laughs> because some of them would be like children's TV shows, and it would be like... Power Rangers, Mutant Turtles, like, and Howdy these doody. kids are just like, yeah, these kids are like, I don't know any of these things. <laughs> but you're you're trying to get them to clear the category. All right, I will let by you guessing do, as many things. I will right, let I'm you Google that, you. and I will, and I'm, I'm just putting it on the notes as some weird category game. <laughs> game. I'm going to spell weird and category incorrectly, but not that anyone matters. I don't even know why I'm taking notes, but that's not the point. Um. I am going to say, I'm going to throw out Witch Hunt for Sydney. We already talked about Werewolf and Mafia. Witch Hunt is another version of that. Uh, Witch Hunt, we like a bit better because everyone has a special role and an allegiance. So you could be good or bad and be the gravedigger or the seer or whatever the equivalence um, roles are. And when you get voted out in this game, you, as a angel or a devil, depending on whether or not you were good or bad in the game, you also have things you can do outside the game, which makes spectating the game a lot more fun and involved for like a small group. So if you just have 12 people, you could play Witch Hunt and everyone's engaged all the time 
or at least is interested in playing the game all the time. So I'm just going to throw that one out for there for Sydney, because if I didn't mention it, she would yell at me as a party game that I should have mentioned. And did I give you enough time, Kitty? I still haven't figured it out. Keep going. All right. Fletcher's turn. Fletcher's turn. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I'm trying to think of another party game that I like to play. You've played Codenames, right? I played Codenames, but I don't know if it's really like one of my favorite ones. See, I'm like, I'm going back and forth between actually mentioning that game in the black box. <laughs> because I've had a lot of fun with that game in the past. Fine. But I don't think I have fun with it anymore. If you're going to choose. And we all know what we're talking about. If you're going to choose. Twister. <laughs> <laughs> Deluxe Twister. The game yeah. with the black box. All right, fine. Talk about Cards Against Humanity. Uh, I mean, I I think that most of the fun of that game is shock value. But then after the shock value wears off, it's not that fun of a game anymore. So you have to continuously buy like new expansion packs. Um, because I had, I have had a lot of fun with that game in the past. But I probably would never choose it again. In the same way that I would never actually choose like if people want to say like oh let's play exploding kittens i'm like no like i don't want to play that game so i'm not approved by any sense of the imagination but cards against humanity you just don't like that game i just don't like i don't like the game because a it's never been a game to me it's always just been a tedious activity not a fun activity just a tedious activity but it falls into the range of the undercover games like the adult versions of games where in certain groups, it plays really, really well because you have a group that's all in the same mindset. You could never really bring this to a holiday party and have the whole gang get in on this. Like, it's it's just not a family-friendly game, a holiday-friendly no, game. No, it's not. <laughs> or it's only family-friendly for very, like, very specific families. Yeah. So Admittedly, they might be fun families. And I but still, it's a bit odd. This game, Apples to Apples, Charity Party, so many yeah. other games, all in this category of, like, you have to pick who's the funniest. Yeah. And somebody is always just not going to get picked over and over and over again. And it's just, it's it's not fun to play if, like, you're not on the same wavelength as anyone else or whatever it is. If It's just, like, because we were playing one of these, it's another, it's, like, a super offensive comic strip you were trying to make and like nobody thought i was funny yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> i know that you guys think i'm funny sometimes but like the way the cards are coming up and you know whatever it is i'm just not in the groove tonight and this isn't fun anymore <laughs> yeah it's just it's tricky it's hard to be it's hard to make these games universally fun all right kitty so did you find your weird category game i did it's called outburst so you have like the red card and you slide it into like the decoder thing and it shows you the list so that only the one person clicking the buttons gets to see the words and you're trying to complete top 10 lists. Yeah, is really this, fun. Is this like uh, the $25,000 pyramid in a box where you're basically just trying so. to guess as many clues as you can in a, a limited amount of time? Yeah, but you're trying to complete a category. So okay. you, have a, you have less choices but it is like that so it'll say breakfast cereals and you're trying to guess the 10 breakfast cereals that are on the list i like that it's very fun 
All right, I am going to throw out a game that I have not yet played, but really want Wait, is to Is that play. my, do I have to spend two turns talking about Outburst? Oh, no. I didn't know its name What's your next time? one? What's your next one? Bananagram's Big Bag. Uh. <laughs> All right, how does this one play? Well, it's Bananagram's. So <laughs> everyone has, you start with a number of tiles. Once you make words out of your tiles, then you grab more tiles and everyone else has to grab more tiles until all of the tiles of letters are gone and you're trying to create your own personal scrabble board in front of you but you only have to deal with your own letters you don't have to deal with anyone else messing up your stuff and you don't get scored based on the numbers of letters in your words or anything like that it's just whoever gets their words made fastest wins as long as your words are actual words and somebody's going to come check your work if you yell that you win and this is why I'm terrible. And you terrible. yell a lot of like split and peel and banana. Yeah. It's fun. I'm terrible at this game because words <laughs> and letters and and there's no I mean, I don't know. I I I have had actually no, I can never I can't say I've ever had fun playing this. I've never had fun playing <laughs> a word game like a, a letter game. Scrabble is just uh, and every th- derivative of it just hurts me. It hurts my heart. It's so sad. All right, my turn? Yes, now it is your turn. All right, I am going to pick the opposite of words. And this is different because I was going to say a word game that I had not played. Instead, I'm going to play, say, a numbers game that I have played. Oh, this is word association, too, in a little way. Word (laughs) association. party game. (laughs) Yeah. Word association I I like, though. Um, I think, usually. So, Decrypto. Decrypto is a team game. And... The way this works is you have a code you're trying to figure out from your from the other team. And you are going to give clues to your teammate to try to get them to understand the numbers, which is good. I, this is going to be hard to explain because... I zoned out. Yeah. I'm one of your co-hosts. Yeah. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so basically you're using... I was wor- trying to pay attention. You're using word association <laughs> to try to get to guess a number code. And it's a game where the first time you play it, you're going to be just completely confused. And I actually can't describe it right now because it's been too long since I last played it. But it is an amazing game because the words will play on them on each other. So you're trying to give clues that are similar to other words that you've used. Just play Decrypto. Decrypto's awesome. Everyone says so. You don't need to take my word for it. And I've just, I just I did a miserable fail on Decrypto. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fletcher, do something that's not as miserable. We have some pretty good ones coming up, though. Uh, well, I was going to say Big Boggle. Yes. Uh, <laughs> More word word games. Game. I love Boggle. Yeah, so uh, Boggle's fine, but Big Boggle is better. You so like what's the difference between Boggle? Well, actually, describe Boggle and Big Boggle, because although I grew up playing Boggle and hating every minute of it, um, I don't know that I've ever played so Big Boggle. It's the same it, it's exactly the same, except instead of a 4x4 four four grid, you have a 5x5 five five grid. So Boggle is a set of dice, uh, you know, six-sided dice, that each side of the dice has a different letter on it. And the whole idea is that you have all these dice, you shake it up, and it fits into, like, this little grid pattern. And then you reveal all the dice that's there, and then everybody studies it. Usually you set a timer of, like, you know, five minutes or something like that. Um, and everybody's, everybody looks at all the dice that are fitting on this grid and you have to make words that are four letters or longer. Um, and you get X amount of points for every 
additional letter that you add and it kind of like scales like logarithmically. And is this one where you score it by if somebody else has the same word, you cross it out. You only score the ones right. that are so unique. You, yeah. So then somebody starts and they say like, okay, I got this word. And then somebody else is like, oh, I got that same word. And then you both cross Everyone crosses out. it out. Yeah. Right. So you want to write down every word that you find because it could be a potential point for you or you're like negating somebody else from getting points. Um, and it's really fun to see like what people come up with and... I don't know. I've really, yeah. I really, I always like that game. This is a classic. And the nice thing about Boggle is like, if you spell, if you don't know how to spell a word, but you think you're close, like you can just write it down <laughs> and then write down like the, an alternate spelling. If there's the letters that are there, cause like, I don't know how to spell this word specifically, but I'll write it down this way and I'll write it down this way and I'll write it down this way. So one of them's sure gotta be the, real. Yeah. <laughs> so people can challenge your spelling and it's like, okay, no, that's not right. Okay. How about I spelled it this way? Is this, <laughs> Is, is this the word? Yeah, this is actually a classic 80s roll and write, where you can basically have any number of people. You're all playing from the same dice yeah. and yep. writing your own words. It's as many people as can see the board at a time. Yep. Yep. All right, Kitty, you're up again. All right. I tried not to look at your list, but I saw this one in your list, but I was going to say it anyway, I promise. And that is Detective Club. Detective. Oh, club. you almost went for the wrong one. I did. I was. I was. I'll. I'll I like bring that, that one up. too, though. <laughs> I'll steal that if we come around another time and you haven't talked about it. But Detective Club. So this is everyone has these cards in their hand that Dick, have kind of Dixit style an cards. abstract Dixit style art. Sure. I like to describe it not using a game that people might not know. <laughs> so <laughs> this is. These are. It's. Just art. There's no text, nothing. And it. they all have different elements. There might be abstract things. There might be actual things like little bunnies or castles, whatever it is. And everyone also has a little notebook. And one player draws a word and they write the word in every notebook but one. And then they pass out the notebooks to the rest of the players. Then everyone is playing the cards face up one at a time. And you then have to defend why your card. And so you do this in two rounds. So you play one and then everyone goes around and plays a second card. And then you have to defend why you played these cards to make the word. Finally, maybe knowing what the word is. And you're trying not to get caught as the person who didn't know the word. So you're trying to like draw elements out of all these other people's cards to fake like you knew what was happening. Yeah, this game is great as long as you're not trying to keep score because the scoring of the game is just really weird. But the actual game is really, really fun. Um, that was part of my definition of party games is that I don't keep score and I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally legit. So I'm going to go sort of off that and in a very similar vein and say Spy, um, Spyfall, which is a game where everybody gets a card that is the picture of a location, except for one person who gets the spy card. And in this game, you're going to ask questions to each other. So the f- one person will randomly go first. They'll ask a question. And what they're trying to do is ask questions that will suss out whether or not you know where the location is without giving too much information to the spy, who is also trying to figure out where the location is. So... And what everyone else is trying to do is figure out who the spy is. So if people can figure out who the spy is before the spy figures out the location, everyone but the spy wins. 
And the other way around, if the spy figures out the location before they figure out the spy, the spy wins. And this game can be really, really tense for the spy, especially if you have to ask an early question, or even worse, if you get asked an early question. But it is a ton of fun. Um, there are, I, th- I believe there's like 24 cards. So there's like a, a location map or so that you put in the middle of the table so everyone can see all the possible locations or all the possible cards. And then you play those cards. Well, you don't play those cards, but you just know that one of those cards is the actual location that you're looking for. Um, there are now, I want to say, four different sets of Spyfall. So they've just came out with Spyfall time travel. So it's like trying to figure out where in time you are. Uh, but yeah, so Spyfall. Spyfall is a game where once you've played it, you immediately want to play it again. You'll play like 10 games in a row before you get like completely burned out on it. And that's my next game. All right, Fletcher, uh, give us a game. I I don't think I have another game is what I just thinking. I don't know if I have another party game that like I really like. There's other party games that I've played. But I don't know if I can really recommend, like, Jenga as, like, a party game that I would like to play. <laughs> well, I think there's one more that Kitty and I would like to talk about. One more yes. that I would like to talk about that I haven't played that I am going to definitely be buying this Christmas to play. And then a couple others that are very popular party games and can be hit or miss depending on your group. So, um, Kitty, why don't you start with the one that we both almost have been saying the entire episode? Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. Excellent and there game. there is the Undercover Allies expansion, which allows you to play with up to 14 people. Yep. But even just the base game, it plays still quite a few. Yeah, it plays it up, the base game plays up to 12. Yeah. So this one is another one where there's one person who has all the information. And there's one person who has like... so. This is so hard to explain because there's one person who's like the bad guy who is a secret among the other people. And then there's one person who knows who the bad guy is and they're trying to let everyone know who the bad guy is by giving clues without speaking. And all they have are these bullets cards with, yeah, they've got bullets and they've got cards and the bullets are just a marker to let you know which of the selections on the cards they are, they've chosen to give you information about. And you're trying to figure out it's the... Weapon and the clue. Yeah. And each person will have four weapons and four clues in front of them. So if you're the murderer, you've picked one of your weapons and one of your clues. And that's where the... They call it the um, oh forensic detective is the person who can't talk, can't communicate outside of these vague clues. And then everyone gets a guess to try to figure out who the murderer is. It was the bathtub draining. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery solved in my house. Success. No murderers. Um, <laughs> but as this game scales up, so it starts out where you just have a murderer and you just have investigators. As it scales up, you start getting accomplices. And accomplices know who the murderer is and will try to get the clue away from them. So that's actually a really tricky position to be in. And, um, but this game is so much fun. It leads to so many situations where somebody's justifying why a mixtape is just as artsy as a statue or so many other great scenarios. <laughs> Sorry, we're laughing at Chris coughing. It's, it's an it's, amazing holiday Chris is dying episode. And I can only laugh. 
I'm going to try to edit out most of the horrible of this episode. <laughs> I have no idea how long we've actually been recording this episode because there's like 20 minutes of silence in there somewhere, it's, I think. It's so good. So, yes. The murder in Hong Kong. It's a very good game. I like very it. Very fun. Right along the same vein of Detective Club, Spyfall, and Deception, all kind of the same. I really like them because they have that deduction feel without being purely social. You have actual information that you are making your deductions based on. You are not just making blind accusations and acting on that where you might win the game just from sheer dumb luck. Like some games, I won't re-mention. Some games are fine. <laughs> All right. Why don't you guys talk? Ooh. What? We should give a shout out to Where Words along with Insider because it's really very similar. Yeah. And it's to Insider. To find. It's not as good, but it's much more widely available. Yeah. Fine. Where Words is a ripoff of Insider. <laughs> totally fine, though. All right. Code names. Let's talk about this. It's the number one rated party game on BGG. I find it either too easy or too hard. I find it is a horrible four-player game. Once you get to eight or higher, it is amazing. But you have to have... I guess I've never played it with eight or more people. So you have to have like two or three people on the guessing side of the board in order to make the game actually interactive. Because if it's a four-player game, the one person who's trying to guess is just thinking by themselves. Or it's a one-on-one, like you and Eve, for example, are going to run the gambit because you are on the same wavelength. You have to have yeah. other people in there to mislead or just to just put some noise in there, like literal noise. And once so we you were do playing that... three versus three. And the problem was that it was still just me and Eve playing. Yeah. Once you have three on a side guessing... you're on the same wavelength as the person, they're in... I don't know. I think the... Plain old code names is a bit better, but I think um, a lot of the like Disney code names and ones where you use more pictures, they can a lot of times just be super easy for me. Yeah, I haven't actually played many of the picture ones, and I really was hardcore against code name when it first came out. But after playing it a few times in larger groups, I'm like, okay, this is definitely a party game. It's just not good as a small game. I mean, I'm always willing to give it another chance, but I've never been drawn to pick it up at a game store. That is absolutely fair. However, if you're giving a game for a gift this holiday season, I don't think you can go wrong with this one because people love word association games. I do find that it's language dependent, though. Your first language, if your first language is not English, this is not a good game for you. Yeah, like when George tried to play, he was like, he just couldn't. Nope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So George and is he's a, fluent in English. <laughs> yeah. He's he's he, he's native Chinese, but like completely fluent in English, but is you unable. You would not know. Yeah. That he is not a native speaker. Yeah. Just chatting with him. Yeah. But he is unable to do word association in that way. Like he just doesn't connect that kind words of like that qu- way. Quick, like word association that you like need to do for the game. Yep. It's, it's We've encountered this problem even with Josh before, though. Is that he is, what you, he's you the know, most definition a native yeah. English speaker, but he's a British English speaker. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is hard, especially when you first get that first set. You have 25 words, and you're trying to f- come up with a word that matches, like, two or three words. George can't even match one, though. You give him one word. I'm like, just give me a word that would make me think of this one specific word. And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, 
but but the word is basket. You can't come up with any word that would make me think of basket. He's like, no. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so sometimes you have to be careful with with those kinds of games. Um, another one that I just ran. Well, I didn't run it. I had taught someone how to run it because I was out of the office at the time. We were doing a campus recruiting event and wanted to do a game for it was like twenty people. And the game we played was Wits and, Wits and Wagers. This is a trivia game where you don't actually have to know the exact answer. So the question could be something like, how many traffic lights are in Chicago? So nobody really knows. So you're going to guess some number. You say, uh, I don't know, 2,000. Someone, And then the, another team or person is going to guess uh, 2,500. Someone's going to guess 300. Someone's going to guess 10,000. And these are going to get laid out on a track that have odds. And depending on the odds, you can bet on different those different numbers. You don't have to have the right guess. You're just going to bet on the one that you think is closest without or this closest without going over. So it's kind of prices right. If you like bet the on prices right, prices right, <laughs> yeah. So well, <laughs> sort of. So if you bet on the thousand, you get a thousand all the way up to the next guess. So you get you're betting on that range, and and um, so it makes it very easy. It's it's a trivia game that doesn't involve having to know a lot of things and it's just fun guessing and you get bonus points for having the right answer or whatever those that is and it's kind of fun and educational being like oh wow there's 3100 traffic lights in chicago and 2000 of them are energy efficient and you can still put little fun facts in there as well so it plays up to seven players or seven teams so you can we played a game at dice tower con that i think had something in the neighborhood of like I don't know, it's 80 people playing. So this this game scales quite significant. And that's Wits and Wagers, which is, like I say, a lot of fun. Kitty, you just added a new one. I did. But first, I want to let everyone know that there are 3,035 traffic lights in the city of Chicago. And 1,014 of them are energy efficient. There we go. See? Alrighty, fun. It makes you think. It's it's really good. I, I like. I had Wits to Google it because once you throw that out, I need to know. obviously um concept so this is really fun and i think there are many games that are very similar to this but this is the one that i've played before you get a word and there's this huge board of i almost want to call them emojis but they're like symbols and you are trying to get people to guess the word that you have by placing pieces on different symbols so say the word i'm trying to get you to guess is birthday cake I will put one on a circle. I will put one on the fire. I will put one on something that looks sweet. And you have to try to figure out what is something that is circular, sweet, and on smoke fire. Smoke detector. <laughs> <laughs> All those sweet, sweet smoke detectors. Yep. Yeah. Covered in honey. I hate and concept. Some of the fun <laughs> of it is people yelling things like a smoke detector covered in honey. <laughs> It's yes, that's just totally fun. what it is. <laughs> uh, my brain doesn't work with the, with concept. I don't know why. It just never it never really clicked. But then again, I've never played it in a large enough group where it gets silly fun. A lot of these party games are not fun at four or less people. Like you yes. really need a critical mass to make these games that fun. That might be part of my definition now. I might go back and add that in. That's what I said. Is like they typically get more fun the more people you add. That's the reverse of what I'm saying. I'm saying they get less fun the less oh, people Oh, less you fun? Have. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, the fewer people, it like it becomes unfun. Yeah. 
some of these games are just not fun at small at small counts. All right. The last one, which is counterintuitive what we just talked about, but it's called Just One, which is definitely not fun if it's just one. But this is a word guessing game. And the way this works, this is like the hottest new game of the year. Like this will be on a lot of lists for next year's awards. But the way this works is you are attempting to get the guesser. It's a co-op. It's a full co-op game. But you're trying to get the guesser to guess the word. And you're going to do this by giving them clues. So say the word is bear. The three of us are going to write down a clue. Now, maybe, you know, I'm thinking Yogi. Yogi is going to be a great clue. So I'm going to write down Yogi. But if Fletcher's also thinking Yogi would be a great clue, and he writes it down, then, and Kitty's going to write down brown. Now what's going to happen is we look at the words because that we I have. Because only read toddler books. Because you only obviously. read brown bears. Yep. <laughs> um, we're going to look brown at bear, our clues. <laughs> and unless the clue was given just once, it gets crossed out. So because Fletcher and I both guessed Yogi, the person's not going to see that clue. All they're going to see is brown. And the problem, what makes this really fun, is uh, now you are avoiding the common clues that would make guessing the word going with easy. only the obscure ones. Yes. This is where me and Eve being on the same wavelength. Also, Eve is my sister, in case you're new here. <laughs> <laughs> and we think very similarly. Yeah, this backfires on us super bad because we will come up with what we think is the most obscure clue out there. And it will still be the same clue. Which will still probably be better than getting, like, brown, claw, and picnic. Although that would be a pretty good set of clues, honestly. But, but so Only you're... Only if you were trying to get, like, evil yogi. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But, but, but what you are the see... clues that you can put down? Can you put down, like... Any word. Just a, just any word? Yeah. So each person okay. is putting down so a word. you could put word. down, like, California. Yes. But you couldn't put down, like, California flag. Uh, probably not. Okay. Yep. So that's what just one is. And that's, it's just the, the idea behind trying to come up with a clue that no one else is going to come up with, but is still helpful on its own. Right. But the idea is that you get a bunch of clues. Like each individual clues is not, not, is actually like not helpful, but you have all these clues that kind of sort of point in the same direction. Yep. But couldn't be completely. Like, because you really, our brains will right, look like at California that. and Brown. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, I, 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 mudslide? You know, it's like, yeah. you just don't know, right? So I really want to play this game. I'm going to be getting it as a gift to, well, myself probably for sure. But maybe I'll get it for Sydney. <laughs> it's um, bring it to myself. New Year's. I'm going to bring it. Oh, yeah, I'll bring it to New Year's. That'll be great. So. Yes. Yep. Yes, please. <laughs> um. That yes, exactly, and we're going to play this, and it's going to be a ton of fun, and it's going to be a party game that we're playing at a party. And I won't make you play the roll and write game where you had to sing. No, oh my god, what was that in tune or tune up or? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, my dad bought it. Oh my. Ugh. I actually really liked the core mechanic of the game. It was just that it was like you could have come up with something better to do than roll and write with this. Yeah, those word association games get me every single time. There's another game called Time's Up that people really, really love. This one, a lot of people, I might be one of the few that doesn't like it, but this is the one where you have a number of clues, and the first time you can like talk out, the second time you can only use one word, and then the third time you can only use a gesture. 
I've played this, but it, it was called Monikers when I played it. Yeah. There's a number of variants to this yeah. this game, the idea behind it. But um, I am really not good at like pop culture references in general. And a lot of the clues become pop culture references. And it's just so frustrating. Even though it can be funny, not everyone See, is going to be Joe Arkansas or whatever. Joe Arkansas. (laughs) I think the fun part of this game is that like everyone does poorly the first round, but by the third round, so like one of our clues was Russian nesting dolls. And I sat there trying to describe Russian nesting dolls by just like making this hand motion. And like, I just kept being like, you know, they're, um, and there's like three teenagers just staring at me. Like there's what? (laughs) And I, I just keep doing this. But by the end of, the third round, I just go like this and all the teenagers are like, oh, Russian nesting dolls! Russian nesting dolls! And they get it like that because we made this association in the first round. And by where this, she I means looked like a complete the, dummy the first round. The hand by gesture the third round, of a, I had it. Yeah, and by this <laughs> is the hand gesture of a rabbit jumping across your palm. Yeah, yeah. I was like I was trying to to illustrate unstacking them. So like you take off the top and then you take off the next one. And it made oh, perfect sense I, to me. I get it. I totally, <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. And I get why that third round is so much fun. It's just so cup stacking otters. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is when you play this with people that are really competitive and want to win, and then you get up there and you get one word, and they get up there and they do like seventeen words. I'm like, that was in thirty seconds. Like, how did you do that? And oh, it's so yeah. See, I don't know if those people are even like, it's that they're super competitive. It's just like, they really enjoy yeah. this kind of word association. I, I played this I game. I played this game with Eric Lang at Simon Khan last year. And we played it like three nights in a row. And he is just hardcore into this game. Now he's like super, super nice, but the people we we're playing with are all, were like so competitive. And every time I got up there, it was just like performance anxiety. I'm like, uh, this is this is the worst. <laughs> Giving thing. the clues is the hardest part. Yeah. So, but all right, we've made it almost to the end of this episode. I think um, maybe <laughs> we don't know, but we do have one listener email. So, Kitty, why don't you take that away? All right. So, John Thomas, not JTT, <laughs> in, um, he said he loved our latest episode. I don't remember when this came in, so we'll have to figure out. Through context, maybe. But it made me curious about any specific games you might be looking to get over the holiday season. Do you have any games that you want to get for Christmas or the holidays? Also, do you have any recommendations for gifts to non-gamers who like to play Phase 10, Monopoly, etc.? What recommendations for gifts for gamers who are just getting into the hobby and bridging the gap between casual and more heavy games? So I guess we can go back to the first question. Do you guys have any games that you want over Christmas or the holidays that aren't just one? Because we already talked about that. Um, so Viticulture. Viticulture? Oh, really? Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. So for me, it's hard because if I want a game, I already have it. But <laughs> the Marvel living card game, the Marvel Champions living card game, is a surprise is it's releasing its next three packs, Two Heroes and the next scenario pack, on December 20th. It wasn't supposed to be. It was announced that it was going to be delayed until like late January, February. And then all of a sudden, a week before, like a week ago, they announced, oh, no, we're going to have it on December 20th. So this is putting all these stores in a like friends like, what, what? Um, but yeah, so I would definitely want to get those. But again, I'll probably just go pick those up. Um, in general, it's a bad idea to buy me a game for Christmas, though. 
It's almost yeah. a bad idea to buy gamers a game for the holidays, unless you know specifically that someone says, hey, I want Viticulture. Um, so my pick, I'm going to say, I think this might surprise you. I think I'm going to get my own copy of Pandemic Legacy Season 1. To play because again? it has been so long since we played it. I kind of forgot what happened. And I think it would be really fun to play with my family. Getting especially my mom to play this. I think she would really, really enjoy it. Yeah. And honestly, you can play it a second time, especially if you have three new people. You just let them make the major decisions. And then you just play the game with them. Honestly, I remember like one big spoiler, but that's it. Yeah. I am really good about forgetting about things, which is why I really enjoy rereading books and rewatching movies. <laughs> Every time is like the first. Yep. Um, okay. What about you? So next question. Wait, hold on. Fletcher, what about you? Um, what about getting games for people? Or is that the next question? Yes, that's the next yeah, question. That's the next question. <laughs> Chris, follow the format. <laughs> All right. So he says... Do you have any recommendations for gifts for non-gamers who like to play games like Phase 10 or Monopoly? So people who are into more mass market, commonly available, they would put like Uno, Skippo. Everything we just talked about. Yeah. <laughs> All party games, yes. But what about games. non-party games? I have a good one. And that is the game that I knew the name of until I started this sentence. Mansions of Madness. <laughs> no. You're a bad, bad person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what's the one where you? It, it's like the gemstones, and there's like the poker chips, and oh, a splendor. Splendor, splendor is a great game to get people who like Monopoly and that kind of stuff. And and I will actually go Century Gollum Edition. Yep, Another excellent choice as well. Kind of the same vein ish. Splendor is being rethemed to Marvel, as is basically the universe, apparently. So <laughs> next year, you'll be able to get a Splendor Marvel edition. It is becoming the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's becoming the Marvel real-time universe. Yeah. Real-life universe. I'm really excited because this is completely off-topic here, but I we've been hosting game nights at my church every once in a while, um, and my entire church plays Wingspan now. Yeah. So. Wingspan is actually a really good one. <laughs> Wingspan it's is a little bit harder to learn yourself. So like if you just gift it to them without teaching it, it's a little bit trickier. But if they're playing Monopoly, they can pick up Wingspan. So if you get yeah. Wingspan and teach them how to play it, you will have accidentally converted them into a gamer because it is an mm-hmm. amazing. It's an unass- it's an, uh, not I want to say unassuming, but. It looks... It's a surprisingly pretty for the depth of gameplay yes. game. Yeah. It doesn't... It's not off-putting. People are like, oh, look at all those orcs and elves and miniatures and all that stuff. It's like, it's pretty. People will play it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that game. That's cool. Let's play the bird game again. Um, and then the, another one I like is Gizmos. It is... There's marbles. It's very tactile. And you're building rude... Rube, I do it all the time, wrong time. Rube Goldberg. You're building those yep. things. And it's super easy. Very, very, like the rules are just really, really straightforward. And I love it as a gateway game. It's one of my favorite games to give. Uh, Potion Explosion. Potion Explosion is good Anyone too. Anyone who enjoys mobile gaming, like Candy Crush or any of those gem swapping, candy swapping, whatever games, Potion Explosion is super fun. Yep. Another marbly tactile game. For sure. Mm-hmm. All okay, right. I'm done. I think I'm going <laughs> to sneeze out the whole 
outro. So well, we have one more question. Oh, go ahead. Recommendations for people who are already part of the hobby, but would like to move from more casual into heavier games. Viticulture. Viticulture. Scythe. Scythe. Anything Stonewire. Tapestry is a good one right now. Yeah, pretty much anything Pandemic Stonewire. Legacy Season 1. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Betrayal Legacy. Um, Probably. Especially if you liked Betrayal at any point in the last 20 years. That's a great one. Because Betrayal is almost a, a mass market game as far as like its avenues of distribution. Pretty much is. The regular like Betrayal... Yep. Does it betrayal is it? of house on the hill or whatever? betrayal of yeah betrayal of house on betrayal of house on the hill yeah something like that um yeah it is it's it's you'll be surprised how many people who are not gamers have played yeah. betrayal betrayal at house on the hill yeah not the best name um I'm trying to think if there's it kind of like Pratt falls off the tongue there are I mean, just so many wingspan if they haven't already played it wingspan is my recommendation for literally anything yeah basically everything Stonemeyer. If you're trying to go from casual to mainstream, anything Stonemeyer will work. It's true. All right. Our secret endorsement for Stonemeyer games. <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> end of the episode. All right, Chris, sneeze it out. No, I can't do this. So, Kitty, you get all my parts. Fletcher, you get all the names. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go over here and have a coughing fit while the mic is turned Wait, off. Is there not a thing? You're not doing a Patreon there, credits? There was, but it turns out I don't have permissions to their Google Drive, so now I don't have access to it. So now we have to read the names ourselves. Oh my god. Alright, so I'm reading not prepared. Chris, then Kitty, and then you're reading the next Chris. <laughs> Here we go. You can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter is Tabletop Game TLK. I am Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher is Nut Fletch, and Chris is Game Master Chris. You can leave us an iTunes review or Apple Podcast, however these things work now. And if you'd like to, you can join us on Patreon at tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, the SGC, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Nate Faz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Sealander, Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Tim Vernig, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wolkowiak, Emil Jewel Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Gregory Huber, John, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Vel- Verholst, Christopher Letgo, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keefe, Nicholas Lotz, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, and Matthew Droke. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. Okay. Um, coughing you, fits you aside. I, I turned purple like three times. You did. It was crazy. Very upsetting. And I missed um, miss the exact direction of what I was supposed to do. You're like, you both of you understood. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you did great. How did this take us two hours to accomplish almost? I don't know, but I have to edit the whole thing. 
All right. Good luck. Yeah, At well, least you can cough. The the people who listen to this aren't even going to realize anything was wrong. <laughs>